This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, I'm Latoya Edwards, and welcome to Mommy Jamie's Night. This is going to be a great place to just relax and chat with other moms. So I hope you have on your comfy jammies, you've got your snacks, whatever you want to drink, and don't forget your box of tissue as we get ready for a time of fellowship and encouragement. I can't wait for you to meet my friends. I just know that you will be blessed by their stories and what they have to share. All right. Well, welcome to Mommy Jammies Night, everyone, and happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day was this weekend. I hope everybody had a good time and you got to relax. And I see we've got some friends in the chat box. So hello, everyone. I'm so excited um, to have Brooke McLaughlin here with me today, co-founder of the Mob Society and author of many great, great books. Um, And I know that you guys are just going to love her. Um, So hi, Brooke. Welcome to Mommy Jammies. Thank you so much, Latoya. It is such a treat to be here with your mamas, and I just can't wait to share my heart. So thank you. I'm excited. So we have a special treat for everyone that is here live. Um, Brooke has a special code for her book. So I'm going to go ahead and let if you want to tell them what that is. And sure. I that for age. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the code for a for a copy, a PDF copy of how to control your emotions so they don't control you, um, so that you can get it for a dollar ninety nine. If you go uh, to the website, you can download it, and if you use the discount code, um, no more angry mob, then you will be able to get that for just a dollar ninety nine today. So I'm excited to be able to offer it to you that way. Oh, that's awesome, and it is a great book. I had a chance to read it when it first came out, and I think I've read it about three more times since then because it's just wonderful <laughs> and full of um, encouragement. And if you are listening on the phone or if you're in the chat, um, you want to refresh the main page, and I will have that code up there, and it will be up for a few hours. Um, so don't feel like you have to rush and, and leave the talk to go get the book because it will be up there for a while. And, Brooke, I'm going to go ahead and let you get started. Okay, great. Well, let me just tell you briefly a little bit about myself because I think that's important. Uh, It's important for you to know that I'm really just a mom in the trenches just like you. There's nothing special about me. Um, I have not arrived in this subject. I still have days um, like yesterday where I struggle to keep my cool with my boys. And uh, especially when we're in the midst of a really high-stress day, it really doesn't matter if it has anything to do with my boys or not. Um, I I struggle to keep my act together and and keep from exploding. And so, you know, I'm not, you know, someone who has just gotten to this perfect place where that never happens to me before or never happens to me anymore. But I have come a long, long way, and I'm excited to share with you tonight everything that God has taught me and give you some practical tools to help you be able to start right away to overcome some of these emotions that moms deal with. So that's who I am, just an imperfect mom, just like you. I'm married to the man I've had a crush on since the third grade. You can cue the oohs and ahs now. I know that's very sweet and it's very true. Um, I like to call myself a word prayer, a boy raiser, a blogger, and a writer, and again, an imperfect mom. So that's a little bit about me. I am the co-founder of The Mob Society. That's themobsociety.com. Mob stands for Mothers of Boys. And our vision there is to help moms find delight in the chaos of raising boys 
and to raise a generation of men to love the Lord. And LaToya is one of our uh, many writers there and, and just brings so much to our team. So I'm really glad to have her as well, just sharing her heart with all that God's teaching her to. I have written a few books. Um, you might recognize a few of them. Hope for the Weary Mom is one that I wrote with Stacey Thacker. I have one that just came out in January um, called Praying for Boys. And there is a companion guide to that called the Praying for Boys Companion Guide. And then the one we're going to talk about tonight, which I just have come to realize over the last few years is such just a, such an issue for moms, is called How to Control Your Emotions So They Don't Control You. So, again, you can get that book for just $1.99 if you use that discount code. But I want to just dive in and, and tell you a little bit about what makes me a credi- credible authority on this subject, aside from the fact that I I lose my cool with my boys from time to time. My boys are almost seven and almost nine, and I have two of what I like to call those boys, you know, the ones that are 250% boy, um, the ones who keep me on my knees more often um, than not and and suck every ounce of energy my husband and I have um, just right out of us. They they are the ones that go, 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 go until they just fall asleep. And, um, you know, I know some of you right now are shaking your heads and thinking, yeah, I have, I have a couple of those too. Or maybe you have more than just a couple. And if you do, bless your heart. Um, because the two I have just run me ragged. And we have lots and lots and lots of wonderful days at our home. But the fact that they are those boys, those hard-to-handle boys, it doesn't go away. And so... This one particular day, it was just maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, it was on a Saturday. It was a really pretty day, and my husband was working, and so I had the boys to myself. And I took them outside, and we live in a cul-de-sac, and right next door to us, our neighbors have a portable basketball goal. It can move anywhere in the cul-de-sac, and they had given us permission anytime we wanted to to use this basketball goal and and so we're very close to them and so my boys went out and they were playing basketball and I was just sitting in the driveway kind of watching them and doing my thing and telling them you know to not shimmy up the goal post and not do crazy things like that they they were starting to get a little bit wild as they often do and I I was just about to call them down for the, the next time another time and say you know don't misuse the basketball goal it doesn't belong to us when my neighbor stuck his head out the door and uh, yelled at them to please get off the basketball goal or he was not going to be able to let them play with it anymore. Now, when I when I say he yelled at them, I mean that in the nicest possible way. He did raise his voice to be able to get their attention, but he wasn't mean or ugly to them in any way. Um, but what bothered me so much is that I knew that because he had done that, it meant that he had done it before. It meant that it wasn't the first time that he had asked them to get off the basketball goal. And he had every right to ask them to get off the basketball goal. Basketball goal. It was there. It was his. And so uh, my heart just sank. Like I just knew that, you know, they were being disobedient and that they were being disrespectful of someone else's property. And I, I just – you know, had one of those moments where my emotions just spiraled out of control. And I want to give you a little bit of a definition of what I like to call the the downward spiral. My definition is that it's an emotional event that starts off fairly benign, but quickly spirals out of control, leaving you feeling frustrated, afraid, and like a total failure as a mom. So if I had to kind of give you a glimpse of what my downward spiral sounded like, 
um, that day, I'm just going to read you a little excerpt from my book that will tell you what it was like. It says, I started off embarrassed by their behavior. Then I got mad because it was what seemed like the millionth time I'd asked them to obey with no apparent response. Anger moved into frustration because sometimes it just feels like nothing ever changes around here. Frustration led to feeling completely overwhelmed by my own inability to change their hearts. And finally, feeling overwhelmed moved to straight hopelessness and a desire to just give up. In a matter of about two minutes, I went from zero to ten on the Emoto meter, you know, the one that measures when mom is going to snap, and ended the day feeling like a total failure as a mom. And, you know, I know that as I'm reading that to you, there are some of you who are like, oh, my goodness, that happens to me every day. Or maybe some of you are thinking, oh, my goodness, that happened to me five minutes ago. Sometimes our emotions just just swirl out of control, and we feel helpless to be able to stop it. And before we know what has happened, we've gone from something that's fairly benign, like my like my neighbor telling my kids to get off of his basketball goal, something he had every right to do, to me feeling like a complete failure and just wanting to throw in the towel and give up. And, you know, even if you're not a mom or, or maybe, you know, this applies to other situations too, my guess is that you've experienced something similar. You know, maybe you're maybe you're a working mama and your boss made a snide remark at work that made you think he didn't like you. And, of course, we all know if your boss doesn't like you, you'll never get a promotion. And if you never get a promotion, you'll never make more money. And if you never make more money, you'll never be able to afford that new car your family desperately needs. Plus, all that time and money spent on your education will just go right down the tubes. Maybe you should just quit now before he fires you. See what I mean? It's just our emotions just go crazy. And, you know, I've never met someone who really enjoyed that feeling, that downward spiral. You know, God gave us our emotions as a barometer. They tell us both what's happening in our hearts and what's going on in our surroundings. Sometimes they're right on the money, but more often than not, they need to come under the authority of the word of God. So tonight, I want to give you some really, really practical tools to help you just say no and learn to submit our emotions to the cross of Christ. So if you look in Psalm 13, this is this is one of those treasures that I found in the Word of God uh, a little over a year ago now that I just was blown away by. You know how that happens? Sometimes you're in the Word and you don't really, you forget that God shows up and that the Word is living and active and, and just has the ability to change your whole life. Well, that's what happened to me this particular day. I was in Psalm 13, and this is what I read. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, if you read that, it's a short little psalm. The first thing you're going to notice is that David, King David, who wrote this psalm, starts out in a completely different place emotionally than he finishes. And I think this little psalm, in, in, tucked away in Psalm 13, gives us this beautiful uh, model for how we can do the same thing, how we can be real about what we're feeling, but then come out on the other side. So I'm going to walk you through what that what that looks like. You know, I, I really have a love for King David. 
Um, a lot of people do, and I, I think they're, you know, rightfully so. He's so real. Um, I think that's why maybe so many of us love him. He he fought a giant. He won the people's hearts. Um, he lost them. Uh, he won them back later. He, he made some pretty horrible decisions. He paid the consequences for those decisions. And, you know, best I can tell, uh, he loved God. You know, in spite of his mess-ups, in spite of the times that he lost his cool or did the wrong thing, he still loved God. And when it became clear to him that he was in sin, he repented and he pursued redemption every single time. And, you know, I also love David because the Bible gives us a really clear picture of his emotions. But in the Psalms, we see angry David, happy David, sad David, sinful David, repentant David. We just see this myriad of emotions in the Psalms that David exclaimed on a regular basis. And I think the reason is because he trusted so completely in God's love for him. And so I want to start out looking at Psalm 13 by just letting you know that God can handle your emotions, mamas. You can go to him and tell him how you feel about your day or how you feel about the way your toddler is treating you today or how unfair it is that you give and give and give and give and that your kids never really appreciate it. Um, you can tell him those things and he can handle it. You can even tell him that you just don't even want to be a mom anymore today. He can He can handle that too. So to dive into Psalm 13, you know, we don't know exactly what was happening in David's life when he wrote this psalm. Um, it's safe to assume that he felt like death was close, and it was a very real possibility for him. It, it could have been that he uh, was running away from Saul. It could have been while he was running away from his son Absalom. Um, but, you know, whatever it was, what we do know is that um, the circumstances of this passage tell us a lot about David's heart, and it gives us this unique pattern for overcoming our emotions. So let's look at Psalm 13, 1 through 2. I like to call this model the feel, know, do model. And if you want to just write that down, um, I really think that will help you as, as you go through this to remember, feel, know, do. And so I believe that this passage from Psalm 13 really just displays this so beautifully because verses 1 and 2 tell us exactly how David felt. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Isn't it just like David saying, God, where are you? When are you going to show up? Do you see the way these kids are treating me? Do you see the way they're running me ragged? Do you see how hard this motherhood thing is? Do you see that I just feel like I could explode at any minute because nothing is changing? Where are you? When are you going to show up, God? You know, David is telling us exactly how he feels in verses 1 through 2. And I think, you know, he felt abandoned and alone and vulnerable to attack. And he wondered where God was in the midst of his pain. But if you look at Psalm 13, verses 3 and 4, there's this real detour. You know, he starts out kind of groaning and desperate, but he moves towards this kind of frustrated spot. So let me read you verses 3 and 4 again. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. I want to really point out that David's frustration, you know, he's, he's angry and a little frustrated with God for not showing up and doing what he thinks he should do. But David's frustration is purposeful frustration. And that's another great little um, 
nugget that you can write down and tuck away. Purposeful frustration is being honest about where you are, but asking God to move you away from there toward where he wants you to be. It's like you're saying, God, this is how I feel, but I'm going to give you my emotions, and I want you to do with them what you want to. Bring me into alignment with what you want me to feel and how you want me to see the circumstances around me. So that's really what David was doing when he says to God, Oh, Lord, my God, light up my eyes. In verse 3, what he's doing is he's inviting God to help him understand his emotions. It's like he's saying, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see this the way you see it, not the way I see it. And I think sometimes moments when we get in that emotion fog, we can't see past it. All we can all we can understand, all we can feel is what's right in front of us. And we somehow have to get ourselves out of that emotional fog so that we can see what God has to say about the situation because what he has to say about the situation is the truth. So, you know, David might have felt vulnerable, but he was asking God to act in these circumstances circumstances in such a way that brought glory to his name. And in so doing, he began the process of reminding himself what he knew to be true. And I think that just is a, a wonderful segue kind of into the next part of the verse in verses 5 and 6 where we just see this radical shift in tone. We started out with a David who felt abandoned by God. We moved to a David who invited God into his circumstances. And now we have a God who is, or a David who is remembering all that God has already done for him in his, in his past and trusting him to do the same thing in the future. So let's read verses 5 and 6. It says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You know, there is nothing like going, making this mental pause, this, this choice to just say stop, and then going back in your mind and recounting the things that the Lord has done for you, whether it is something uh, as simple as providing food for your breakfast, whether it is something as profound as just remembering that he gave his son for you so that your sins could be forgiven. When we remember what God has done for us in the past, it gives us faith to believe that he can do it again in the future. And so in these verses, in these verses uh, 5 and 6, David is remembering the God that he loves and serves and why he loves and serves him. And, you know, he's told him how he feels. He's, he's, he's not denying that he feels a certain way, but he's allowing what he knows about God to inform what he does. He, he's acting on what he knows to be true instead of how, how he feels about the certain situation. What he does is affected by what he knows. David allowed himself to feel the pain of whatever life event he was in the midst of, but he didn't allow himself to stay there because he knew that the only way to truly bless the Lord was to honor him with his whole heart and respond well to whatever life brought him, no matter what. So very clearly in these verses, we see this feel, know, do model. We, we feel what we see with our eyes, our experiences, our circumstances. You know, they affect our emotions, and they cause us to feel a certain way. And those things aren't wrong. They, they might be wrong. They might be right. But either way, as believers, we're called to submit them to the authority of the word of God. We know 
our minds remember what we know to be true, the truth of God's word, who we are in Christ, um, all of us available to us because we belong to him, all of God's many promises that he's made to us. We know these things when we invite God into our circumstances with an open heart. And then we do. We act on the truth, not on what we can see, not on what we can feel. What we do is affected by what we know to be true. As David remembered just the joy of his salvation, you know, the way that God had loved him in the past, his heart turned from feelings of despair at what he could see happening in his life to feelings of hope and joy at what he knew God could do, and he acted based on that knowledge. That's how I want to live my life. Whenever I start to feel my emotions just spiral out of control, I want to say, stop, stop. This is how I feel. This is what I know. And this is what I'm going to do. You know, that's just a a powerful, profound model for how we can begin to purposefully and intentionally change the way we react to the everyday things of life. You know, one of my favorite stories about David appears in Scripture before he actually became king. He and his mighty men had been off fighting, and, you know, I don't, I don't remember which, um, which you know, war they were in or whatever. You can find it in First Samuel 30. But they had been off fighting, and they had returned home, and they were just worn out and ragged, only to find that their camp had been raided and their wives and children had been abducted. And, you know, I can't think of anything worse for a man to go off and do what he's called to do and, and, and serve the way he's called to serve and then come home and find that his wife and children are in trouble. And, you know, David didn't even know if they were alive. And Beth Moore, in her study on David, I highly recommend it, it's just so good, says this about David's response to this horrible situation. She says, while others were prone to wonder, David was prone to worship. Okay, so think about this with me for just a second. David's entire family was at risk. Everyone he loved was at, either at risk or dead. He didn't know. And I think it's safe to assume that he was afraid of what might have become of them. You know, what he could see with his eyes, what was right in front of him, looked like a disaster of epic proportions. His own men, the men that had fought so bravely beside him, were threatening to stone him because their wives and children were gone too. And he easily could have given in to fear, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to do the only thing he knew to do that brought the Lord near to him. He worshipped. I never feel, never feel so at peace, so close to the Lord, and so just at ease with whatever's going on in my surroundings as when I'm worshiping. There could be a storm happening in my living room, but if I have my eyes on Jesus, if, if I have my heart tuned in in worship to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, somehow it always brings the perspective I need. You know, this worshiping the Lord, choosing intentionally to turn our mind to him, helps us to take our eyes off of ourselves and our problems and place them instead on the one thing that changes everything. As Christians, we, as believers, we have the honor of being able to take all of our griefs, you know, that toddler who just won't go to the bathroom on the potty, that nine-year-old who is you know, starting to be so strong, we wonder how much longer 
we could physically take him, you know. Um, that that six-year-old that just won't stop tantruming, and boy, those tantrums just get bigger and, and harder as they get older. We can take all those things before the throne of grace where they're cared for by someone who understands and is able to open our eyes to the truth. We have to turn to him. We have to offer him all of our emotions, and then we have to intentionally act on the truth. Feel, know, do. So that's what I wanted to offer you this morning or or this evening. Um, I hope that that is just some really great practical tools for you. It has radically changed the way that I cope with everyday life. Just that small little chapter um, in Psalm 13 has just opened my eyes to how God has already equipped me as his child to be able to overcome the things of the world because of his strength, because of, of what he's already done in my life. So I hope that blesses you and equips you and helps you to to press on and overcome some of these things, some of these really difficult struggles we have as moms. Wow, that was awesome, Brooke. I have to tell you, I was having one of those hard days today, um, you know, with my oldest son, who is definitely one of those boys. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I tell you, summertime, and we homeschool, so we don't have, like, an official summer break. We just kind of slow down on lessons. But every time, you know, summertime starts to kick in, he's like, extra energy on top of the extra energy that he has had already, and I really had found myself about to lose it often today. And so I was like, you know what, boys, let's just go to the pool. So we spent all afternoon at the pool, and I got to kind of relax, and I got to, you know, read my Bible and just kind of refocus um, and calm down. So, I mean, everything that you said was just wonderful. And so we do have one question. Um, One mom says, how do you put the brakes on when you feel your emotions starting to spiral out of control? You know, that is a really great question because sometimes what happens is, like, we're in it. We're in the downward spiral before we even realize what's happening. And I think part for me, part of what helped me to begin to recognize it and put the brakes on was, you know, first of all, I just asked the Lord to help me see it. Um, I asked him to point it out to me and make it very clear to me what was happening in my heart and in my, you know, in my mind. Um, and he was faithful and he did that. And so one of the things I know from my background and, and um, I have a um, master's in counseling is that we can look for things that trigger us and use the, like in a, in a negative way, those things can trigger us towards this, you know, sinful, destructive pattern, but we can actually turn those things around and use them to benefit us. And so there are certain things that tend to happen in me as I'm getting ready to head towards that downward spiral. Like my heart starts to beat a little bit faster. I tense up. I just feel like I'm wearing this heavy weight. Um, and, and I literally start to just, you know, feel like I need to tune out. Um, and so instead of allowing that to, to trigger me into the downward spiral, I have begun to um, ask the Lord to make me aware of those things so that those triggers actually help me to know that it's coming, and then I can intentionally choose to stop it. Um, You know, and I'll just say, I'm not perfect at it. I don't know that I ever will be this side of heaven or that any of us will ever attain to perfection in that area. But if you really stop and start paying attention um, to what gets you to that point, to, to how your body uh, physically and, and emotionally reacts to those situations where things just start spinning out of control, 
then you can make a list of those things so that you can study them and know what they are so that when they start to happen, you'll recognize them and you can put the brakes on. But it's an intentional thing. And for a while, you know, now I, I've gotten a little bit better. There's still um, there's still really, really hard times where, you know, I might not be able to nip it quite as quickly. But when I first started, um, when I began to feel one coming on, I would remove myself from the situation. And that is um, that is some, uh, one of the other chapters in the book talks about just, you know, sometimes we just have to remove ourselves. And I know for moms of very little ones, that can be very difficult. My boys are a little bit older now, so if I go upstairs to my bedroom, they're probably not going to tear down the house while I'm up there. Um, but when they were really little, sometimes that just meant going in the bathroom, putting them, putting one in the playpen and putting one in the swing and going in the bathroom for a minute and just praying and asking the Lord to meet me there uh, because it was the only place I could be alone. So, you know, it's this intentional invitation. Uh, it's this believing and trusting that God wants to be a part of your moments, of every single moment of your life, and that he says in his word that he'll come when you call. And so you have to call on him. I think we get so busy. We're, we're all very busy moms, and um, there's so many things all vying for our attention all at the same time nowadays that we forget that we serve the God who bends down to listen. And he's just waiting there, um, you know, waiting for us to ask him to come and join him, waiting for us to tell him we need him. Like, I need you right now, God. And sometimes when it's really bad, I just say it out loud. You know, like, we'll be right in the middle of, well, we homeschool too, so I'll, we'll be right in the middle of our lessons and the boys won't be listening and I can just feel it begin to escalate. And I'll just say, God, you know, just out loud, I'll close my eyes and I'll just say, Lord, I need you right now. I need you to come right now because because I don't want to be this kind of mom. I want to love you. I want to worship you. I want to be a good example for my boys. And, you know, some people might think that that's kind of crazy, but I've always wanted my children to know how much their mama needs Jesus because I don't want them to see me as this perfect put-together mom because I need Jesus every second of every day, and they do too. So I think it just sets them up for to have an example of how, even their mama, um, who tries to have things held together, needs Jesus on a daily basis, too. So invite him in. Look for the triggers. Remember that he's there waiting for you to ask. All right. Yeah, that's great stuff. And I wanted to just say, um, and I left this link um, in the chat box, and if you are not listening live with us, um, I will have this on the page. Uh, but the Mob Society has a really fantastic group on Facebook. Um, if you are a mom struggling with her emotions, it's a great place for encouragement. Um, you know, it's a great place for support. You know, there's no judgment, no nothing. It's just, you know, love and prayer and support, you know, for anyone that, that's dealing with that. So check out that group. The link is in the chat box, and it will be on the page. And then we have one more question. One sweet mom says, how do I know if my anger has already damaged my little boy? Hmm. You know, that's that's such a... That's such a heartfelt question, and I, I can feel the pain behind that. And I just wanna, I just wanna say thank you for being so brave to ask that, because I know that's really one of those questions that you'd probably rather hide behind closed curtains. Um, you know, when when I first found out that I was pregnant with my first son, uh, it was this wild emotional time, hormone filled <laughs> time, 
when I felt like I needed to fix everything in my life um, and in my husband's life, I think I probably drove him crazy. Like it was like I could see all of the bad things that, that still needed the touch of God in our lives. And I wanted to fix them all right now because I didn't want to do damage to my children, you know, as if somehow all of our bad stuff needed to be taken care of before he was born so that we didn't mess him up. And I was really kind of paranoid about it. Um, I, I was relatively sure I drove everyone around me crazy about it. And um, I took it to the Lord because I knew it, it was on some level kind of irrational. And I took it to the Lord, and this is what I felt like he showed me from his word and just from my own life circumstances. You know, as I look back um, on my own childhood, I have two very loving, uh, devoted parents who sacrificed a lot for me and were amazing parents. They were very good parents, and they still are, uh, just my rocks. And you know, in spite of that, though, they did not do everything right. They they tried. I mean, everything they did, they tried to do with our best intentions. And I know they always had my best at heart. But, you know, in spite of those things, they did not make every decision correctly. And there were things that they did that, you know, I, I think if you ask them, they would look back and say they wish they had done differently. And yet, in spite of that, um, I'm a believer. And God has used some of those things that my parents maybe could have done differently or bad choices they made. Again, they weren't bad choices on on purpose. They just, you know, we're all human. We make bad choices. We do things wrong. Um, Those are the very things that the Lord has used as part of my redemption story. Those, Those places of weakness are the things that God will use to bring our children to him. And so, you know, I I know I'm kind of answering your question in a roundabout way. Um, You know, the fact of the matter is that I think we all damage our children in some way because two sinful people or three sinful people or however many people we have together living in the same home, um, it's difficult. It's a difficult situation. We, We hurt each other and we do damage to each other just because it's our nature as sinners. But there is nothing that you have done that God can't redeem. So that's the part that I'd like for you to focus on, not have I already messed him up beyond repair or have I already damaged him, but how can God redeem this? I'm going to take steps now to change. I'm going to submit my emotions to the cross of Christ starting right now, and I know that tomorrow it won't be perfect, and the next day it won't be perfect. And the next day it won't be perfect, but by the grace of God, it's going to get better a little bit every day as I submit this to him and I invite him into my mess and I ask him to fix it. And by the grace of God, he's going to redeem it if I have already messed up too much. So focus on that. Focus on what God is able to do, not what you have already done. And and I will say this. You may need to go to your son or your daughter um, and ask for forgiveness. You know, that's another part of allowing our children to see that we need Jesus just as much as they do, is going to them and asking for forgiveness. And I think that can be a really powerful healing tool in your relationship with your children. Right. Well, that was just great. Well, Brett, I just want to thank you for um, joining us here. Um, Just really quick, where is the best place um, that our Mommy Jammies community can find you? Sure, absolutely. You can go to my personal blog is brookmclaughlin.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-E-M-C-G-L-O-T-H-L-I-N.com. And you can also go to themobsociety.com. But I also wanted to encourage those of you who are not already um, involved in it, 
on Monday I released a new five-day challenge for mothers of boys, and I've had some mothers of girls ask me if it applies to them too, and my answer is yes. It's written towards mothers of boys, but I know that there are just as many hard-to-handle girls as there are boys, so I encourage you, whether you have a boy or a girl, to do it. But it's a new challenge called Fighting for Those Hard-to-Handle Boys, and I think, mamas, that as we learn to fight for ourselves and to fight to submit our emotions to the cross of Christ, we can also learn to fight for our kids. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that challenge. If you go to prayingforboys.com, you will see a section called Challenges, and you can click on that, and then you can get signed up. And I would love to have you be a part of that. Yes, I have been anxiously awaiting my emails every morning because it is some great stuff, some great encouragement. You know, Brooke has prayers and scriptures just to help you know, anything that you're struggling with, with any of your children. Um, you know, she has such a heart for for moms of boys and, and, you know, parents with those children that, you know, make you kind of rethink, did I really want to do this? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I know that, you know, God has a very great plan and purpose um, for those strong wills of our children. Um, well, that's all that we have tonight, ladies. Thank you, Brooke, for joining me. Um, and if it is your first time at Mommy Jamie's Night, welcome. I'm so glad that you came. I am here the second Tuesday night of every month at 9 o'clock um, with a new mom sharing her story and her heart and encouragement. And next month I have Connie Hughes from Smockety Frocks, and you don't want to miss that because Connie is hilarious. So you guys have a great night, and God bless. Thanks for joining us for Mommy Jenny's Night. I'm your host, Latoya Edwards, and it's been such fun hanging out with you tonight. Please come back and check us out on our website, Mommy Jenny's Night, for all of the archives of our past shows. And don't forget to invite your friends and set your calendar for the second Tuesday of every month for more fellowship and encouragement.